welcome to making much of his mission. His mission, of course, is to see many come to Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, all have sinned to come short of the glory of God, so we can't be with Jesus Christ. The Bible says further, and the, the wages of sin is death. What we, are we cannot do from in heaven ultimately will go to he hell. Can do through us. But the gift of God so as we try is eternal life. What we've learned Jesus today, Christ, our Lord. let us yield it to him, he gives us and this as a gift. Life can't earn to it. us, but we can receive and once it. again. As many as received him, them gave me much of his mission of God. Wishing you so as we see that Jesus Christ, God bless you. He comes into our life, gives us His life, which is eternal life, and allows us to spend eternity with Him. That is ultimately His mission. Let us all yield totally to the Lord Jesus Christ and accept Him as our personal Savior. And now the message for today. Welcome to His Mission is Our Mission. Brothers and sisters in Christ, today I want to ask you a question. Is persecution a curse or a blessing? You know, we've seen incredible, terrible persecution by ISIS and Boko Haram. When you look at that, you see how depraved human individuals can be. But persecution, especially religious persecution, is not new. In fact, the first persecution occurred when Cain killed Abel. It was in the context of the home. It was in the context of a worship service. In fact, the first recorded worship service. And ever since then, if you look at the Bible, I was shocked when I started to study through it as I was learning about this to see how many people were persecuted. We have Job and Jeremiah. Almost all the prophets were persecuted. And as we move through uh, the early Christian church, not only did Christ was Christ persecuted, but virtually every one of the apostles was persecuted, all of them, and all but one suffered a martyr's death. John apparently died of old age, but they had tried to boil him in oil. When that didn't work, they put him on the island of Patmos, which also didn't work because Jesus showed up and showed him the revelation. During the first three centuries of Christ, tremendous amount of persecution. Also, during the 16th and century and the 17th century in Europe, during the time of the Reformation, incredible number of uh, people died. Some have estimated as high as 50 million. I think that's a high estimation, but I don't know. And the statement is made that there are more Christians martyred during the 20th century than during the previous 19 centuries combined. This trend has certainly not decreased, but actually increased with the resurgence of radical Islam. And the Bible was written to persecuted Christians by persecuted Christians. And Paul himself warns, Yea, and all that would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That is a statement which is an inevitable thing, and Paul earned the right to say so. Let's look at a few things that Paul suffered and a few things that he said. We find especially these are true in Second Corinthians, where he kind of bears his heart as he's trying to establish uh, with his believers the fact that he is a true believer. For example, 
Here is First Corinthians, uh, Second Corinthians 4, 8. We are troubled by every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, not destroyed. Get this. Always bearing about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. For we who live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Why? That the life also of, Christ, of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Let's look at two chapters further on. Chapter 6. Paul is talking about his, he said, we in all things approve ourselves as ministers unto God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in persecution, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by the love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened, pardon, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful and yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. O ye Corinthians, our mouth are open wide unto you, our heart is enlarged. Let's move on. Second Corinthians chapter 11. I'm beginning with verse 22. Are the Hebrews? So am I. Are there Israelites? So am I. Are the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I the more, in labors more abundant, in strifes above mender, in prison more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils and false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in, f in cold and nakedness, and besides those things which are without, that come upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If I must be glory, I will glory in the things which concern mine infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knoweth I lay not. Pardon, I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, kept the city of Damascus with a garrison, desirous to apprehend me, and threw a window in a basket. I was let down in the wall and escaped his hands. Paul suffered incredibly. But once the greatest sufferer is Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12.2 admonishes us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of God. Paul writes further, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be evil with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself a form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even the death of the cross. Well, Paul earned the right to speak, but certainly Jesus even more so. And Jesus says this, Blessed are ye when ye are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they, the prophets that were before, before you. So why do we rejoice? Why does an all-powerful job allow persecution in our lives when we're seeing him, when we're serving him, rather, because persecution clarifies our priorities. What's the great American dream? Oh, the dream house, a terrific job, beautiful wife and kids, excellent health. This dream consumes us, our time and our energy. But our time here on earth is short. And God's goal is for us to live with him in eternity forever. This world and world system is under the control of the God of this world. Satan lures us with the things of this world not with the world to come. And so God commands us, through John, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life are not of the Father, but of the world. And he warns us, and the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And so we see, firstly, that God wants us to live with him forever, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us to concentrate our entire energy in life on things that are temporary. Secondly, persecution shows <clears throat> that we are truly loyal to God. Look at Satan. <clears throat> Accuse God. Uh, Job, rather. He said, Job, God says, you see my man, Job? Ah! A man doesn't love you. He loves what you give him. Take him away. He'll curse you to your face. I said, okay, take him. <clears throat> and God, Job said, The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Ha! The angels rejoiced. Satan just got shame, uh, but he showed up again. And God again said, You see my man, Job? I gave you per permission to do that. He had not done anything wrong. And look what he did. Job said, Satan says, hmm, that's just because he's healthy. A man will give anything for his life. But take away his health and see what happens with him. God says, okay, take away his health, but you can't kill him. And not only had Job lost everything before that, as far as material goods, his family, all of his material goods, but now he's got stinking breath and sores, all over his body, he's scraping them, sitting on a dunghill. Uh, his wife uh, is just saying, Ah, why don't you just curse God and die? And he says, Woman, what's wrong with you? 
And he said, you know, the Lord gave us good things, now we won't take this. And so he proved his loyalty. Look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They risked their lives for the honor of their God. They were facing a instant incineration before Nebuchadnezzar and the, and the burning fire there, seven times hotter. The heat was so much that the guys who threw them in fell down dead when the heat came back and scorched them. And yet they walked around with no hurt, and Jesus was with them. So we see that persecution makes our priorities clearer, and it proves our loyalty God. But it also prepares us for the future. Paul, again, is very helpful. He gives us insight in two different places. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 first. Verse 16 to 18. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ. Now I'm going to have to stop for a minute. Do you realize what he just said? He said that we are joint heirs with Christ. Everything is for Jesus. That means we have a piece of all the action for everything. Hmm. So that's not enough. So he goes on. If it be so that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that suffering of this present time are not worthy to compare to the glory which shall be revealed in us. And then we go to 2 Corinthians again, again to chapter 4. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, think about this as Paul writing his light affliction, which is but for a minute, worketh with us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And so we need to react like Paul did in the Philippian jail, where he was persecuted, thrust into jail, beaten without uh, any uh, proper uh, trial at all, and then is spending his night praising God, he and Silas. Persecution was for his sake. And so Paul says that we should rejoice there. And Peter, who also died a martyr's death, reminds us, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice, again saying the same thing, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy, if ye be re reproached for the name of Christ. Happy are ye, for the spirit of glory in God resteth upon you. On their part he is even speaking, spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or a busybody in other man's matters. Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory and glorify God on this behalf. You know, for three years, uh, I was a prisoner in a POW camp in World War II. I was just a little kid. 
But I learned some important lessons. I learned that people are important, not things. You know, we have it all reversed. We focus on things and use people instead of using things to help people. Totally the wrong way. And happiness, I found, does not depend on things you have. I remember what I had on my fifth Christmas. I still remember. That's 72 years ago. I had a, a piece of a broken knife. The end of it was broken off. Actually, if the knife had not had the end broken off, I'm not sure the <clears throat> Japanese would have allowed us to have a knife like that. And my father had gotten a hold of some cardboard somehow and sketched out some animals and made a little farm for me out of these cardboard that he had scra uh, scrounged up and had cut into pieces. And I had a great time with that. I thought I was the richest kid around. Brother and sister, God promises he works all things to good to those that love him. And this includes persecution. Remember when we talk about all things work together for good? That's in Romans 8. That is in a section on persecution and on a section on eternal life. We need to die to self. And as we do, we can allow persecution to have his perfect work in our lives. And as the indwelling Christ works through the persecution, and by the way, the persecutors are... We are servants to them. Many persecutors have been saved by the testimony of those they are persecuting. As we allow that to happen, God can be glorified. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you abundantly.